Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. In 1990, when um, they come to play the GF, what happened during the week? Do you know, Guru? Yeah, yeah, just... I, uh, I had MG on the podcast. He told the story. They uh, they got on the sauce midweek and Phil Gould came in and uh, I'll let you deliver the line. Yeah, you, you just lost yourself the grand final. Imagine the head noise that night. Do you know what happened last year? The nah, concert? nah, hit me. I don't want to say names, but this, pretty much the same thing happened. Really? Yeah, right. Full I'll leave back. It that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's your opening line for the podcast. So, yeah. like, um, apparently, like, a few of the boys were carrying on a little bit during, during GF, so um, they're super low-key, but and it's the same storyline. Shit's yeah, right. lining up, shit's lining up. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. I'm joined once again this morning by Ice Isaac John, mate. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, bro. I love being on this podcast. Uh, it's always good fun. I like to think it is anyway. Uh, mate, obviously, the business end of the NRL season. It's coming up over the next 10 days or so. Very exciting. Uh, we've got the last round this weekend and that eighth spot. Waiting for someone to grab it, isn't it? I mean, it has just been an absolute shit fight of who's going to get it. Uh, your Knights boys, they've somehow managed to uh, get themselves out of that race. They're locked in. You must be excited about that. Yeah, pumped about the boys. I'm um, not too sure how we're going to go. I obviously love the um, inclusion of Clifford. I think he's been really good. When he signed to Newcastle, I was sort of going, I feel like there's some better options out there in the market. But he's he's been one of the buyers of the year for me. Um, he sort of levels out Mitchell Pierce, um, and he touches the ball a lot, and he kicks the ball really well, and he carries the ball. So I love 5 eights that run the ball, and he's running the ball pretty well. Mate, egg all over my face. When they signed Clifford, I thought, Jesus, that's a bit rogue considering they're not even playing New South Wales Cup. He's not going to be doing anything this year, but... Mm. Mate, he's gone down there and absolutely brained it, hasn't he? Someone must have had intel on him or seen him yeah. play. Because I watched him play a little bit as um, – I don't watch North Queensland too much. It's probably just not a side that I sort of gravitate towards. But when I used to watch him play, he's always sort of kick-happy. Like, he'll be out of the back of shape and off a two-pass. And as soon as the winger comes up, he would put it behind. And, like, it kind of just – I was like, oh, bro, like, surely do something else as well. So, yes, yeah, so I think someone's got intel on him. I don't know who's who. – Alan's part, um, they're big on their recruitment. So he must be, he, he's like Moneyball, bro. He does data. So he, every day, every day there's a game on, they'll put their stats into a sheet, whether they're under 18s, under 20s. And um, 
this is pretty interesting. Say, say someone like a Joshi Mansell, who was at Pendle last year, may have been on about 500k, just making up numbers here. They, but if there was a younger guy who was on, um, say, 80k or, or 100k, and they're doing a little bit similar numbers, it's easier for them to go, oh, let's top them up by six, get them on 160, 180, 200, and we can save 300k yeah. on the salary cap. So he started talking like that behind the scenes. So I know he's a big part of their recruitment up there. So maybe it's him. Well, mate, I, I've seen Clifford play a lot of like Queensland Cup and stuff, and he has been damn impressive in those competitions. But in first grade, I just wasn't seeing it up there at North Queensland. And it sort of reminds me of their signing last night as well, Adam Clune. A guy that in first grade, you know, I've been a little bit iffy on him, but in New South Wales Cup a couple of years ago, he was braining it. He had like a Cody Walker season a couple of years ago, 30-odd try assists. So, I mean, I'm very doubtful on the Clune signing, but I was doubtful on the on the Clifford signing too. So, fingers crossed you boys are onto something. Yeah, I hope so. Hopefully that recruitment thing keeps working. <laughs> um, very much like Sammy Williams. Sammy Williams, was, yeah. he's, he's always been way too good for New South Wales Cup, but just hasn't quite been able to like get over that little NRL hurdle. Still a really good player, still a really good half. Um, if you want to be a bit of depth like myself, I was I was a good like depth half. I could come in and do a job for you and um, influence results, hopefully. <laughs> Either way. Uh, but it's important to have that sort of depth in the team anyway. And I think those guys, obviously being those depth sort of guys, I think it's more of a sign of how good the top shelf halfbacks are rather than the lack of ability that you could say these guys have. I mean, being a first grade seven now, it, it just looks so difficult. I mean, there's only, for, for me, I reckon there's only six or seven guys in this competition I genuinely want wearing the seven in my team. And we've, we've transitioned. So like I've always said lately, like the competitions reminds me of 2000 and 2006 where the game's a lot quicker. Centers are back in fashion. You can give them an early ball and they can do their type of thing. And it was, it was a golden era of um, sixes and sevens. So obviously Joey, Trent Barrett, Lockyer. I feel like every team had a good thing where, and then Melbourne come along and they just sort of wrestled the fuck out of everyone and it became a defensive system. So those types of halves that were kind of like Cameron Smith and Cooper Cromp were in fashion right now. And then if you look at all the hard, all the hookers that were kind of that sort of style, like even all the way from like Jakey Friends was that kind of style of hooker. All the hookers all seem to be the same. And now the games come back around. They say, if you want to look to the future, look to the past. It's come back around and, and halves are back in fashion and running five eights. And the ones that have got a bit of natural ability, your Cody Walkers, your, your Tommy Turbos, your guy like that, the guys that are classed as like footballers, um, they're just seeing the game a lot clearer than other ones. It's not like left versus right. Let's get to this point so we can run this shape and blah, blah, blah. Like that worked great for Cooper Cronk, but he wasn't like a natural footballer. And mate, I mean, if you look back to those early 2000s, like some of the guys that I would consider to be the unlucky halfbacks back then that didn't play Origin, Brent Sherwin and Matty Orford. I mean, mm. fuck, if you put those guys in now, I mean, straight away they're into the top five or so halfbacks in the game, I reckon. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, in, it's interesting to look back on. Now, mate, eighth spot. Uh, there's three teams going for it. The Titans, I, I want to say the Titans are out of contention, but when you have a look at the matchups this week, they really aren't. Obviously, the Cronulla Sharks, they play the Melbourne Storm. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday morning, so we're yet to see the team list for Melbourne. We're hearing that he will rest a couple of troops, but geez, I, I tell, I'm a little bit hesitant whether Bellamy will do it or not off the back of a loss last week. If they would have given it to Parramatta, I think that he's more likely to rest. I'm a little bit worried about him resting guys this weekend. What, what do you think Bellamy's going to do there? I'll be resting. Uh, they look tired. Um, if you look at if you look at the two guys that are at the top of the table, the Penrith versus uh, Melbourne, like if, you wouldn't know they're on exactly the same points. Where Melbourne have run like 19 games in a row and will be very hot on Tommy. So um, Panthers is kind of flown underneath the radar. Mate, it's crazy. No, no one's talking about him anymore. 
that's where they were. That's where exactly where Ivan yeah. would want to be, and that's where Dizzy, like Dizzy, Hall- Dizzy has would be hating all the attention in and around those boys right now. Ivan's low key; he'd rather be there. So they're going to finish first or first equal or potentially second, and no one's really talking about them. I had a conversation with Luke Carey last week. And he just rang up out of nowhere and we're like, oh, let's just, we, he loves talking football, bro. So we just started talking. He goes, it reminds me of 2014 when, when Rabbitohs are there. We're like, we're winning games, but no one was like really talking about us. And all of a sudden, everyone just come back at the right time. Like he come back from a pick injury and all the boys just timed their run perfectly. When um, I know, I know Penrith didn't play perfectly on the weekend. Nathan Clary was, by his standard, a, lo- a long way off. Um they just look big, strong, and 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 tough, and obviously they got skill set there as well. So, and Melbourne, they've been limping for a month or two, I reckon. Probably mm. since that Cowboys game, I was like, oh, it's because Munster's there. Once Munster's back, they'll be sweet. Um, but they got some trips to come back. Obviously, Nelson is off with Solomona. Like he gives them a new level to their bench as well. I love variations and forward sizes. That's why I love Penrith. Like Isaiah yells big, strong through the legs. Defeat Banger Jr. Big barrel chested, great leg speed. Um, Kikau is just a genetic freak. Like Fisher Harris. I, I like when they have different builds. Like if you look at someone like say the Dragons at the moment, they all look the same. They're all kind of like that same sort of like. It's a very cookie cutter, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. They all look the same. They all carry the ball the same. None of them really have a pass in them, and it gets them in trouble. Like you can't run. Because uh, you get used to tackling a certain style of player. Yeah. And when you're tackling Penrith, it's like, oh, shit, I've got Kiki out. Now Tavita Pango. And now Fisher Harris is chasing after me as well. So I feel like that stuff's really important. But oh, I don't know. Like Bellamy's wants to win and wants to win everything. But I'd be resting players, in my opinion. Yeah, I think on those, on the guys to come back from Melbourne, I mean, it's been months since we've seen them with Kamakamika and Nelson. I reckon that combo, getting them two back, that's going to be massive for that footy side. But let's say... Uh, you know, Melbourne saw me. If they do rest, guys, obviously gives the Cronulla Sharks a bit of an advantage for me. I think if the Sharks win that game, they're going to be playing finals footy. You've got the Canberra Raiders taking on the Chooks, who Chooks are coming off a loss and everything, but fuck, they're just running out of numbers. We're going to be playing for the Chooks soon, aren't we? Yeah, well, hopefully Robbo gives me a call up soon. Might we do whack the six on? Yeah, they're, man, it shows what great what a great club they are um, from top to bottom. And I don't think anyone else could have copped that amount of injuries and still be playing finals football. Wonderfully talented side as well. But I, I like I don't really care who makes the eight because I think they're both interesting sides. Like I love yeah. Canberra because they're kind of like they've got a lot of vets there. But someone like a Jordan Rapana can can win you a game. Um, I like Sharks. I think a big part of it's going to be Matty Morland. I've loved his return. He put in a good 20 minutes and then another 60. And he's class. I I, can't, I know he gets injured a lot and there's soft t- tissue injuries and they're things that you can't really control. But to sort of, I think he slept on as a half. Like a couple of years ago, he was playing Origin. He was a gun six out of Penrith. He's just had a rough run at, at but he's still going to be the guy. He, he's the one where a lot of the points come from in and around. So um, he's going to be a big part of everything that they do in that little, that little Sharks run over the next uh, week or two. Mate, I say it every few every few months, and I get shit for it every time. But Moisa, he reminds me of Lockyer the way that he ball plays, the way that he just glides across the line and he picks up guys here and there. But mate, he's he's just injured too often for people to be able to recognise that. I think it's funny how quickly we forget in rugby league just how talented guys are. I agree. I think Moisa's going to be great. I love this new kid too, Luke Metcalf. He looks like a real talent to me. Yeah, yeah, it's not too big as well, but um, very much like a Pappenhausen style. Probably don't have has the toes Pappenhausen, but I think he's got great IQ where he knows where the ball is going to be, and and he sort of puts himself in position or puts himself on the TV screen to 
um, take advantage of those opportunities as well. I had this old coach one time and he goes, um, his name was Johnny Eklund, used to coach all the 20 sides at the Warriors when they were really, really good. And he used to have all these little one-off phrases like, I've never met a player who was too fit or I've never seen a bomb go too high or yeah. um, I've, I've, he used to have all these fucking random, his, his theory on ball playing was pass to the guy who's running the fastest because he's usually in a hole. <laughs> um, so like, I'm, oh fuck, I thought where I was going to go with that. What was I saying, bro? <laughs> I don't know, but it really, it's a simple game made difficult, isn't it? I've lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we we're talking Lukey. Me- oh, I, I don't know where the fuck you were going with that, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> let's call it. Um, mate, obviously, the Canberra Raiders, they're the other team that's, you know, tr- trying to get into this. The other, the, go- the other team is the Gold Coast Titans. Now, they took on your Newcastle Knights the other night. And look, it was a one point win to Newcastle. I've got to tell you, I really didn't think Newcastle were that impressive. I thought they made a lot of mistakes in the red zone. I thought they really let the Gold Coast Titans come back into it, which for me, is an even bigger worrying sign for the Titans. I know on paper they look like an unreal team, but I look back 12 months ago and I remember people calling the Cronulla Sharks last year when SJ was on fire, the worst team to make finals in years. Fuck, give me the Sharkies last year any day of the week over probably close to these three teams, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I remember the Broncos a year before. That would have probably been the worst. Pokey Gate. <laughs> they made the Queen finals. of the Nile Gate. Yeah, Chico was playing for that as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just been the way the competition has been yeah. this year and it's fluctuated in so many different directions in terms of rule changes and all this sort of stuff as well. And there was a period where teams are getting pumped by 60. Now um, there was hit high rules. Now it's crushes. I don't know. There's so much variation to it. So I think, yeah, any of those sides, I, like you said, I, I think um, Newcastle kind of limping in in terms of like, just we lack attack. Like yeah. we, we can't score too many points. I enjoyed Kalen being on the right side of the ball, which was like, so when you're that talented, who gives a fuck where you get the ball? Just get it in your hands as many times as possible. But yeah. I really enjoyed, like, you know, Tommy Turbo's doing that and Latrell's starting to do it now. As soon as there's a quick play of the ball, you, remember when we used to get a quick play of the ball or line break, it used to be, like, spread it wide. The boys are just going flying straight off the back and just doing quick hit-ups. Kalen needs to add that to his game as well. Yeah. He, he won't bump people over, but then you got to think you're a forward, like, hustling back and you turn around and you've got Kalen in front of you. It's your worst nightmare. Man. Crank, yeah. step, step. So, um, but oh, I don't know. We're, we're waiting for major semis, aren't we? Oh, for sure. And that's what, mate, I feel like so many of these top teams, they are just keeping their head above water waiting for September. I feel like like watching, you mentioned um, Cam Munster before. Like I feel like he's been waiting for September since fucking March, realistically. He, he mm-hmm. just looks like to me like he's just floating around waiting for finals footy to come. Gun to your head. Uh, you got the Raiders, the Sharks, the Titans. Who's taking eighth spot? I'm going. I'm going Sharkies. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I just really like their attack. I think they got a lot of points in them as well. I think Melbourne. This is off the back. I think Melbourne rest them. But in saying that, if Raiders make it, they deserve to be there. The table don't lie. The ladder don't lie. So it is what it is. Mate, now obviously the team that does finish eighth, uh, they will play the team that finishes fifth. Now I was having a look at it the other day. Obviously, you always want to finish top four. You get a, you know, even if you finish fourth, do you? Do you? Corey, can you do? You, you you got a free shot at the stumps to take a few punts against Melbourne and potentially pull a win out of your ass. Like, I would rather have that opportunity. But, fuck, if you finish fifth or sixth this year, are you that upset realistically? Not really. And the other, I was just thinking just then, I wouldn't mind the Storm. Like, imagine if the Storm finished second and you get south straight off the bat as well with the Trollis Rabbitohs. I wouldn't mind that as well. I th- yeah. Like you said earlier, I think Manly are the issue. Um, Scope had a theory before that he, he wouldn't mind Manly finish fifth because then you'll get a, a struggling Sharks with Titan inside, knock them off. But like you said, you do. Well, we, I was at the Penrith 
that year that the Roosters, we played one and four. And yeah. um, Sal, we ended up getting the drop and we got the week off as well. So the week off right now is vital. You don't want to be playing um, do or die football, but... I don't know. Give me your theory on it. Give me your theory on it. Oh, no, mate, I, I just think that this year finishing fifth or sixth, it is probably the best year ever to finish fifth or sixth. I would still rather be in the top four. But, I mean, if it's, you know, outside of maybe the Roosters, I, I still think the Roosters missing all their troops. I don't think there's anyone that can finish seventh or eighth that will beat the Roosters come finals footy, uh, you know. Touch wood, they don't lose another fucking four players this weekend because it is getting desperate. But I just think Teddy come finals footy, I, 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 can, I just can't see you know, fifth or sixth losing week one of the finals this year. Uh, and, I mean, if you do win that game, which I think they will, you're also coming up against a team that's either, either been beaten to a pulp by Melbourne, the Panthers, or by Manly. I mean, it's really not a bad spot to be sitting in. As I said, I would rather finish top four. I would rather have a three sh- free shot at the stumps to try and get a week off. But, fuck, I'm not that upset if I'm fifth this year. And like, um, where's Parrot? Are they a chance of that at the four? They are, eh? I think they are now. Yeah, I, I think we all wrote, wrote them off too early. <laughs> yeah, so it's the thing with Parra. So they, they've just played Melbourne, like probably the best game they've played. They're going to have to play Penrith this year, uh, this week. And even if they do beat them, like, that's two really big games. They've gone up against the two best sides. Now they're in the four. They go back to playing Melbourne. Melbourne have lost to them twice this year. So they're going to be ready for them. Definitely 100%. And then if they lose that, like, you know what I mean? It's a long run to the GF for, for a para fan if you're in their yeah. top four. And like you said, man, Parrot probably want to be finishing five because they're going to have two tough games, Melbourne into a Penrith, into potentially a Titans or the Sharks, um, getting a bit more confidence back as well. And then that's just that do or die um, period for them, for them boys, I reckon. So, I reckon they still go out in two, but um, yeah. who knows? Parramatta's coming fifth at the moment on 32 points. Manly are fourth on 32 points. So if Manly get knocked over by the Cowboys this week, which is probably unlikely, but if it, it is rugby league, anything can happen. Uh, and Parramatta were to beat Penrith, who, I mean, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if Ivan Cleary does rest a couple of guys. You you know a bit about Ivan. Do you, do you think that there's a chance that he will rest guys this weekend? No, I don't reckon he's got the... I, I think off the back of that performance, I think he wants to be... like. A lot of the boys have been off with injuries this year as well. So like, you can see their cohesion or, or they're, they're not very fluent in their attack at the moment. They're, and they're a side that's um, not afraid or they score points very easily. So I think he'd be rolling into this. Like like you said, like a lot of the boys, all, the, all his best players have had time off this year, whether through origin, whether through having babies, whether through injury. Um, I think he wants him humming. And I think, he's, he, I think he's almost in a better position than someone like Melbourne, in my opinion. I just think he is. Let me ask you this. The Cronulla Sharks, they play the Melbourne Storm, 6 p.m. Friday, right? Now, let's say Melbourne rest players, the Cronulla Sharks, they uh, they win that game. That means that if Penrith win, they'll finish first, which means they'll more than likely play the Manly Seagulls. If you're Ivan Cleary, as you said before, surely, surely you'd rather play the South Sydney Rabbitohs, wouldn't you, week one, than take on the fucking Manly Seagulls and Tommy Turbo? Well, have they played – What have, they played each other this year. Do you remember the scoreline between them two or who won at nah, least? No, not off the top. Oh, actually, yeah, I do. They played uh, They played out in the country at the start of the year at one of those suburban games oh, and Penrith gave yeah, it to yeah. them. Yeah. But that, that, the, Tur- Turbo was playing on the wing for part of that game. Like, it was, he still took a fucking intercept and scored. I remember that. But, um, yeah, I... That's first day. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Fuck, give me South Sydney without Latrell any day of the week over playing Tommy Turbo at the moment. Mm. Do you know? Do you know who Souths remind me of, bro? They remind me of Cronulla back in the day, but with a bit more talent. Yeah. <laughs> you know how they're quite they they enjoy being in the niggle, and it doesn't really bust their attack too much. So, um, and like with the pressure on, I think Souths are going to be in there. You, you're going to get onto one of those types of games. I, I know Manly are really really good, but in terms of strategy, I'd be. Um, this is kind of like probably halves chat. 
And the way I'd, I'd be playing, and I, this is how I reckon Melbourne will do it, they'll try and land the ball on top of Saab's head. So they'll put up bombs. Cameron Munster, left foot kicker, really good kicker, can get some height underneath it. So they'll land the ball on Saab's head, meet him in the corner, do their thing, and then you just got to gear up for that second tackle with Tommy Turbo. So Tommy Turbo is going to be coming around, and he's got a really good carry, but Melbourne are going to be ready for that. So they get all their big boys. We used to say you'll be waiting with baseball bats. So yeah. you got to have your line ready to go, jam him up in the corner, try and catch him, get him behind, and just do that, what's that, 25, 30 times? Yeah. Like you get 40 sets in a game, you know yeah. what I mean? Now, I know that's hard, it sounds – but imagine if you go, all right, boys, I need you to gear up for fucking 20 tackles on Tommy Turbo, and we can shut down their whole play. And then the yeah. next guy that comes over is Ruben Garrick. Ruben Garrick doesn't have a tough carry. Great finisher, great kicker of the ball, highest point scorer this year, all that sort of stuff. But if you kick the other way, you landed on Garrick. You can probably pick him up. Tommy's going to come, but then Saab's coming after that. So in terms of kicking plan, if I'm playing manly, you got to get him in position. You got to you got to keep him down there because they're not scared to throw football around. But that's how you do. That's how like I'm thinking like that. Especially finals, first round of finals. Everyone's going to get up for that as well. Mel- Melbourne's probably already planning this. Like Bellamy's probably doing video on both these sides already. There'd be game planning around that. But I just that's that's how I'd, I'd attack it. Yeah, I mean, outside of Turbo, neither of those wingers are that that sort of Brian Tyo, that sort of David Nofaluma mould. They're more of that Daniel Tupu where they're good, but if you get under them, you can force them back quite easily, can't you? No, nah, Guru, actually, this is how I'll play him. So I'll, I'll kick from a 6-4. So we'll play parts of the field. I'll kick him off a 6-4, Munster down the blind side, and then land the ball on Tommy Turbo's head. And then and then Saab has to come back around on the ball. You know yeah. what I mean? So when you're on your 6-4 or, or you kick off a two-pass to your left, the winger has to come up anyway and you get behind. But it has to be a bomb. It's very much like Roosters. You know, Roosters always bomb the ball. Yeah, It's got to be that, like, just bomb, land it on his head, get him in the cage. Um, and Melbourne used to have this saying, like, you put him in the phone box. So when you've got three or four boys, make it uncomfortable for him. So they'll have the first guy in, head tucked in, guy chops your legs. It's like, yeah, you've got to make it uncomfortable for him. So that's I'll be kicking off a six four if I was if I was playing mainly. Mate, let's move uh, to the Parramatta Eels. Now I gave them next to no hope to win that game on the weekend. It's funny how well, we, we we've spoken about this sort of stuff before. Uh, obviously, the Melbourne Storm were going to win their twentieth game in a row against the Parramatta Eels, breaking Jack Gibson's nineteen seventy five record with the Roosters. And of course, the team that does them over is the last team that Jack Gibson won a premiership with in eighty six. The Parramatta Eels. It's funny how this sort of shit works sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, you can't make it up sometimes. Rugby league, it's fucked. Mm, good. Look, when you look to the future, look to the past. So, yeah, I, I, know, I know that would have been great to have that sort of record, but like, who, honestly, who knew about the 1975 Roosters before two weeks ago? Honestly. But Guru, who, who won the comp in um, 2008? Uh, Manly. Yeah, so you know, you know, like that matters to me. Who gives a fuck about 19 in a row or 20 in a row? That's You're probably cool. asking the wrong guy about 1975 too, just quietly. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably the regular guru. I took offense like, to that, but proceed, yeah. <laughs> but like, like most people, the average punter wouldn't know that. And yeah, it would have yeah. been a great record to break and all that sort of shit. But um, if Melbourne lifting the trophy in five, six weeks, does it really matter? Yeah, exactly. I mean, would you rather win 25 in a row or lift the trophy? I mean, it, it, it's day and night, isn't it? Golden State, look at the Golden State Warriors. Yep. Like they won 73 and 10 or whatever it is, and they lost. So, yeah. And getting back for it. Still. Mate, pa- Parramatta. I mean, I gave them next to no hope to win that game the other night. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that it was the loss that Melbourne need. And I, I kind of agree to some extent, but I also don't think that Melbourne played terribly in that game. I just thought Parramatta were unreal. And I've been reasonably critical of the Parramatta Eels over the last few months. But, Fuck, they really showed up, didn't it? There, there would be plenty of confidence to take out of that game. 
100%. So look, the camera was on Mitchell Moses when he walked out and then he was sort of like running. He looked, he looked pumped, like doing a big, <sighs> all that sort of shit. I pay attention <laughs> to that sort of yeah. stuff. And then I always watch the first set. The first set's really important. Like we, that first set of origin when Tommy took two carries, like I remember that. So I watched him and, and like, um, they were up for the contact and then I was like oh they're, they're going to wear off a bit five, six, seven, eight sets later they're still doing the same thing so I knew they were in for a chance but man Parramatta when they play nice and direct like as long as the game's been around 1908 if you've got good full packs and they're going forward you're going to give yourself a chance to win no matter if you're playing in 1908 no matter if you're playing 2021 no matter if you're playing on fucking Mars you need a good fucking full pack and it's yeah. really really important and that's what that's what Parramatta were and the hard thing about their fullback is they're, they're all pretty, they're all quite skillful. Like Junior Paulo, Junior Paulo's got the skills of a half. So a lot of the time when you do have skills, you kind of want to show them off a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you're just going bang, bang, punching down the wall, bang, bang. Mitchell Moses got a great kicking game. I thought Dylan Brown was really good, had a lot of touches. He was, he was um, saving tries as well. It was really important. I think when he touches the ball, they, they're a lot better side because he's a big body. He loves to carry it as well. But they're forward set the time, man. And I know Guffo's their best player and Junior Paulo as well. Um, but if Mitch Moses is on and Nathan Brown are on, it's a good sign that Parramatta are on. And, mate, as you said, like, to beat these top teams, you have to go, you know, you have to play direct at them. You have to go through the front door and... For me, I think there's too many teams in this competition that Parramatta are able to play a little bit lateral and be able to beat that. I, I almost feel sorry for them that a couple of weeks ago, all of a sudden they had to play two months of finals footy when you ha- like you, you can get away with not playing direct footy against these bottom teams, but then all of a sudden you've got to play the top teams four times in six weeks. It's a tough gig, but fuck, to see them play so direct against the best team in the competition for me, one of the best teams we've seen in modern history, a really impressive effort from them. Yeah, agree. And like, like para, um, Melbourne can shift the ball really, really well. So a lot of times, and we, Ivan used to say this when we used to play the Tigers when Benji and Robbie Farrier's like, don't get caught up in a game of touch. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard when you're on the field and they start shifting because you sort of fall into the trap as well and you start to shift. Where you look at teams like Manly, they'll happily shift the ball from anywhere on, on the park. South's probably got the best shift in the game. Um, rolling to the left side. So sometimes when you start to see that as a half, you're like, oh, it's working for them. Let's see if it works for us. I think Parra just a better side when they just go direct and bang. And that was the formula that they need to do something in this um, final series. And hopefully they can stick with it as well. I think there's always that stigma in and around Parramatta. Like, do you know what, do you know what my theory on Parramatta is? I don't think the old guys actually want them to win, eh? Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. Yeah, I, that's just what I think. Yeah. Like, um, they're always sort of deaf riding the boys and stuff like that. So, man, is, is there a curse over Parramatta? I don't know. Oh, there's some, there is something doing there, isn't there? Like, it's just... I don't know, but mate, I, I don't disagree with what you said. I mean, all these old guys from Parramatta, they're still walking into the leagues club being treated like the heroes because they are the, the, the last heroes, essentially. I, I don't hate that argument. Um, I, I know that when I was talking to uh, Brett Finch the other day, he, he sort of painted a really good picture of a guy like Peter Sterling that, has, that helped him out a lot whilst he was at Parramatta. Um, but... God, they're, they're not afraid to come out and just ridicule these this current group of players whenever they feel like it. It is a bit of a worry, isn't it? Do you know what great clubs do, bro? They've got a great alignment between players. They've got talent. They've got workhorses. They've got great coaching staffs. And they've got great admin. I just don't feel like Parramatta have ever really had that alignment, ever. Mm. Um, while I've been around. So, a lot like, back in the day, that was stacked. So, a lot of the times you can have playing talent that can cover up those things, like potentially like a poor coach or um, thing admin. I just don't think they have enough talent to cover up the rest of, of their club as well. 
Mate, we touched on the Penrith Panthers earlier, uh, and obviously we've spoken a little bit this year already about the redemption story. We all know the similarities to the 1990 grand final into the 91 grand final when they came back and won it again. I like the storyline. I love the storyline. I know you love it. There was a bit of movement over there just quietly. Now, obviously 1990, Canberra Raiders, you know, unbelievable team, you know, one immortal in that team, potentially another two or three, you could argue, in the future. Uh, They knock over the Penrith Panthers. For me, that team, they weren't ready to win a premiership that year. I felt the same way about the Panthers last year. They've come back. I don't know. It just feels that that whole narrative just seems to be lining up again. Uh, We spoke about, obviously, every time the Panthers have won a premiership, the Clive Churchill has gone to their hooker, Appy Curacao. At the moment, it's interesting. Obviously, Appy's had a a tough few weeks uh, off the field and whatnot, but... You know, him sharing that role with Mitch Kenny, how do you sort of feel about that? Personally, I would just love to see Appy just go at it for 80 minutes. I think he's one of the most underrated players in this competition. He's um, definitely not underrated to any player that actually that's played the game. Like yeah. when you're at Mark and he's fixing you up and you're like, don't bite and let the hooker and you're, you're tackling Appy, but the ball's behind you. Um, most most footy players know that Uppy's a really good player, and obviously he's a he's in a side that's got a lot of stars. So he's happy to share that. He's happy to be low key, and but yeah, I'd play him for eighty. I'd keep Tyrone May on the bench to sort of cover that just in case as well. But another story that I was thinking about just then when you were talking in nineteen ninety when um, they come to play the GF, what happened during the week? Do you know Gary? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah I, um, I had MG on the podcast. He told the story. They uh they got on the source midweek, and Phil Gould came in, and uh I'll let you deliver the line. Yeah, you you just lost yourself the grand final. Imagine the head noise that night. Do you know what happened last year? Nah, nah, hit me. I don't want to say names, but pretty much the same thing happened. Really? Mm. Yeah, right. Forward or back? (laughs) (laughs) There's there's your opening line for the podcast. So, like, um, apparently, like, a few of the boys were carrying on a little bit during during GF. So, um, they're super low key, but and it's the same storyline. Very interesting. Shit's yeah, right. lining up. Shit's lining up. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, no, I'm, well, I, yeah, and it's one of those things that they do in the grand final this year. I'm sure that story will come out without a doubt. And yeah, <laughs> as, as you said before, what was it? You'll always look to the past to find the future. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's it's scary how it's all how it's all coming together now. Um, you know, the thing, um, like the more things change, the more they stay the same. They stay the same. That's, yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, mate. One, one guy that I think... Uh, he's not their best player, and you know I, I would probably call him their most valuable. People would argue with that, though. Isaiah, yo, I, I, I know that you're pretty close with him. I just think that the way that he's tra- – I mean, you look back three or four years, and if you said to me, who, who's Isaiah, yo, I would have said, oh, he's a second rower that can cover center. He's pretty handy to have in your team. He has turned into one of the most critical pieces in one of the best systems in rugby league. It's an unbelievable transition. Um, the thing I love about and the way that – if you really understand how Parramatta play, because Trent Barrett brought his style over. Um, Trent Barrett got it from John Cartwright, who got it from the Cowboys up there, where they have Nathan Cleary controls the middle, um, Jerome Luai on the left, and, and Dylan Edwards on the right as well. So they kind of just play post to post like this. So they'll go this post, and then this post, and then this post, and they'll wait for you to fuck up, and then they're good enough to execute off the back of that. Isaiah Yell, and he wasn't a natural passer of the football. He debuted at centre. I always compared him to Simon, Simon Mannering, soon as I met him in terms of mannerisms, personality, defensive first. I knew Ivan, the <clears throat> first time I, I met him and <clears throat> first time I met him and he played, <clears throat> I go to check out, oh, he'll be the captain of the club one day. Because I know Ivan likes those type of players, super low key, 
um, works hard, all that sort of shit as well. But he's really developed that pass off the back of that. And what that does is, say, say Nathanat gets defeated, Pagna Jr. to go this guy. And what he does, he lines up the back rower and the half. Mm. So he'll he'll bang him into that. But they're, they're at first and second marker. So you're on a 6-4 split straight away, bro. So who has to come around? The two ruckies, yeah. the two middles. So two middles coming back around. And if they're there, Jerome Luai sees two middles, he'll take the ball and go. But what this actually does is, it gets your defensive line moving like that. And if Tavita Pangai Jr. can get a quick play the ball like that, they start swinging it back the other way. And that's where a, an Isaiah Yao will run a tight block and it pushes Nathan Cleary out one wider and then one wider there. They do it better going to the right because someone like a, a Dylan Edwards isn't a natural passer of the ball. So instead of Dylan Brown being out the back of a three and having a three on two to try and strip, they'll try and get him in positions where he only has to do a two on one because he's not a natural passer of the ball. And that's what Isaiah Yao does. So I know he, he's got a great carry and he's, he's tall, like you have to go over the ball anyway. So he's six foot four. So you go up and tackle him like that. Yep. He's still got legs underneath him as well. So he can generate quick play of the ball. And the good thing about the spinner side at the moment is they're all, all great through the base. They've all got strong legs. So Nathan Cleary can play off tempo. So he'll get the ball like this and he'll just go straight across the field and he goes slow, slow. And it's not like he's got... Say someone like a, a Jared Weir Hargraves who needs to be coming off the back fence to generate some force. He can drop it off to a Fisher Harris or a Moses Leota or even Isaiah Yell, and they can generate momentum from a stop start. Yeah. You know I mean? So that and that's really important as well because instead of just going post to post, they start to disguise it with a bunch of different variations as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful game plan and it suits suits who they are. So and he's 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 the massive part of it. They were really impressed with Cleary on the weekend, mate, and people might have thought it was a fluke, but. The amount of times he was hitting the upright last week with those grub at like, and for people that don't like, go down to the park and try and put that that fading shape on a football and kick it as hard as he was and hit that. I mean, if he misses that, that's going into the third row of the grandstand, but that's the confidence of Nathan Cleary at the moment. I, I thought that was unreal from him on the weekend. Yeah, yes and no. Like when you when you sort of shape the ball up like that, bro, and you like smack it across there, the harder you kick it, the more of a bend it gets on. So he it might have gone dead, but if you kick it like that, bro, and you miss the goalpost, it kind of just curves and go like that. It just goes. And like Joey used to do it the best. Joey was a gun. Well, mate, ha- ha- have you seen the footage from Origin last year with Joey working with Nathan? There's a clip that I saw where it was about ten minutes, and all they were doing was that kick yeah. the entire time. Like, yeah, do- doesn't shock me in the slightest. It's come from Joey. Nah, nah, and he used to do that back in the day. Um, Lukey Walsh was my half at, at Penrith when I was there. And Criminally old, underrated Lukey Walsh. He's the best. So Criminally like, underrated. I used to love playing with him because he's still with the kicking as well. I never had yeah. a big boot, so I'll just, just be in there chasing down <laughs> kicks and stuff. But um, he was saying one time that um, him and Joey were doing kicks and they were on the, on the 50 metre on the halfway line. And he goes, what, what I want you to do is start tight, start moving, and then face that way because that's – you're shaping your body up this way so the fullback can come across and then hook it back and then aim for that left post. And then um, while she was doing that, while she's fucking educated boot, he can kick a ball really, really well. So he was doing that, boom, just missing it, just missing it. He's, no, nah, no, nah, just like this. Boom. I think it was four from five, bro. He missed his first one. Then after that, just go, boom. Because remember Joey used to kick around the corner? Yeah. Well, yeah, mate, so do, he, do you remember that 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 O five Origin series went when he came back and Minicello was the hot thing on the scene and mate that was that was the first try they scored that game from memory. Joey hit the post from right. about fifty five and everyone went, Oh, that was lucky. Nope. Nah. Nope. And that's what that's what Walsh was saying and he was just yeah. saying, every time I just go bang, bang. And just like trying to hit it like one bounce. Boom, bang. Yeah, bang. well like I had Anthony Minicello on my podcast and, and he literally said when Joey got the ball, I knew what he was gonna do. I knew he was gonna hit that upright. So I just sprinted fifty five meters down the guts. 
Yeah. I mean, the more we talk about Joey, the more it's just amazing when you look back at his career. I was looking at his numbers the other day, and I think it was there was the 2001 season where he only played 21 games, but he averaged over 13 points per game, which is just like Ruben Garrick's averaging 12. He's one of the best kickers in the comp. He's scoring just about more tries than anyone else, and he's playing outside the most informed footballer we've ever seen, and he's a fucking winger. Mm. Joey was a seven. Mm. He was coming it. back from injury. It's it's uh, it's crazy. I used to love, bro, when he was like fucking wide off the rock and 10 metres out, then Baderish just zing it and his little nugget just going like that. And as soon as he catch, just go bang. And then whoever the fuck was in front of him, get the fuck off me, down. It's a pleasure to watch, man. I wish, wish he was around still. Like, people, eh? <laughs> Obviously, you like, And then like a lot of people, I'll ask you a question, bro. Would he, would, would he pump Wally Lewis? Would he palm Wally Lewis? Ah, pump him. Like pump if them him. two men... Uh, oh, mate, it's, it's pumps him. It's hard to compare those eras, mate. I, I always find, like, I, I, obviously, I, I, a lot of my knowledge, and I assume the vast majority of yours, Wally Lois, like, we didn't watch him minute by minute, game by game, like we did with Joey. But fuck, I just, I just find the amount of people, like the older generation, that people that I respect their opinions in rugby league, the way they talk about Wally. And, and I mean, I talked to you know my my younger brother about Joey, who didn't get to see him, and he and he sort of says, to me, "I don't understand how he could be better than Nathan Cleary." And I'm like, "Oh, like I get that because Nathan Cleary's mad, but fuck, yeah. it's it's compare. I don't know. I find it really hard to compare. And I mean, you go and you watch those Origin highlights, and yes, Wally always had a decent team around him, but mate, like the amount the amount of times he would just be able to turn a switch on and just make something happen out of nothing, and I think. I think we, and I was talking about this with Josh Morris yesterday. I mean, Josh Morris is going to be one of the most elite players we've seen, in my opinion. I think he has been an unbelievable player for 20, 17 years, whatever the hell it's been. But because he doesn't win a trophy, I think we that that, that really plays a role. I mean, like Andrew Eddinghausen, another guy who played 300 first-round games, didn't, didn't win a trophy. I don't think we hold him in as high regard as we should. And I, I think Wally Lewis is in that same sort of mold. I think people have got to remember that, fuck, he played for the Broncos in 88. He then went to play for the Gold Coast fucking whatever on earth they were called then. I mean, in a pretty See, tough situation to win a comp, realistically. Yeah, agree, agree. Yeah, but then saying, like, um, you look at JT's run sheet when he was flying as well and every all the awards he won. So then, like, people were like, oh, JT and Joey, JT and no, Joey. No, give me Joey any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, and we're just like, – everyone's biased in their own yeah. and right, and we're just biased towards Joey. Yeah. And, like, can, could Nathan beat him? Yeah, but then, like, Cameron Smith, the greatest guy to ever play the game. If you look at his highlights, you'll be like – if you, if we if we show Cameron Smith's highlights to um, our kids ten years from now, they're just gonna go, oh like you know what I mean. Well, you look at someone like Cheese who's bumping people off and spinning around, and Harry Grant that combination. Mate, you could make a highlights combo of Harry Grant and Brandon Smith so far, and it would probably be better than Cameron Smith's career highlights. <laughs> like, and unfortunately, we're in the highlights era. Twitter sells, Instagram sells. It's fifteen second clips. It's not twenty years of fucking dominance and never losing that is appreciated. Unfortunately. Yeah, no one, like, this sounds sad, but no one really, really cares about, like, the the one kick when, when Cameron Smith scooted out left and hooked it back left and it was a 40-20, and it changed the momentum of the game. Like, yep. only, only only purists and proper fans love that sort of shit. Like, that, like, we were fucked and he pulled us out of it or, like, all those types of things. So, it's it's sad because Cameron Smith's one of the best to ever do it. And then, um, I think just us as fans, we're just going to have to stick up for him in 10 years' time. Oh, mate, I, the amount of conversations <laughs> I have on social media where I'm like, where they're like, Cameron Smith wasn't the best. I'm like, all right, that's fine. If he wasn't the best, that's fine. But don't tell me he's not in the top fucking three. Don't who's, even tell me he's not there. Three? Who's your top three? Uh, I would go Cam Smith, Joey, 
And then I would probably go Freddie, to be honest with you. Freddie or Lockie, but I'm probably leaning towards Freddie. But I've always been a big fan of Freddie. I'm more than happy to admit I probably am a little bit biased there. Everyone's who, biased, bro. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, yeah, biased. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you yeah, you still got to uh, uh, own that, of course. Like, I, I grew up, you know, being a member at the SFS with my old man. So I watched Freddie play just about every game for six mm. years there or whatever. Um, so I would probably have Freddie. I just think that he is – he was the best in three to four positions – on any day, depending what jersey you threw him. I think it's something that's undervalued. Uh, and I think with Joey and Freddie, the other thing we undervalue is that they defended like back rowers. Yeah, like with all up. with all due respect to Thurston, he didn't. That's sort of where, and, and I know people say he's a halfback, it doesn't matter, but fuck, it does. It's 50% of the game for me. Yeah, but like, you know where um, JT was worth his weight in goal? Tackle five, bro. How many tries did he stop chasing people yeah. down? Yeah, like, fair. I- doesn't yeah. look as cool when you when you're fucking jamming someone, but what's the greatest one of the greatest highlights packages ever in, in um, grand final history? Scotty Sattler yeah. doing legsy on on, on Toddy Burns. So man, he was saving as much tries. He just done it in a different way, and it just doesn't look as cool in terms of highlights. But he was underneath that ball when when people were putting grubbers in and holding people up. So there's there's multiple ways to defend. And yeah. I know Sal used to cop a bad rap, but if you looked at his stats and his numbers on his edge of how many tries they actually leaked. Like his his best way to defend was to sort of recognize shape coming early, talk it up, and get up in front of it, and then get all the people in around him. Yep. And obviously, it was, wasn't the toughest guy in the world, and he, he's the first guy to admit that. And GI palmed him off. And once you're on highlights, people don't seem to forget it. But there's multiple different ways to defend. Cooper Cronk was like that. He used to get up way in front yep. of the ball. So when you as a half, you look up, and Cooper Cronk's in your line of eye line. You just drop people off. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you stop, like, if you stop measuring defense as like pure contact and stuff like that and measure it as a half and how many tries your, your edge leaks, that's a different way to look at defense. That's a fair shout. Who's your top three? I would probably follow you, bro, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a killer fan now. I'm Jamie <laughs> <laughs> The second fiddle 5-8 at yeah, center. Uh, unreal. Shit rig. Yeah. Fucking the best. Oh, I was saying at Kempi the other day that um, – I know a lot of people are comparing Matty Burton to Brad Fittler with the left foot and everything, but the way that he's playing at centre, it kind of reminds me of Jamie Lyon, like a sort of a wider 5'8". Like, we had Jerome Luai last year, who was the best 5'8 in the game. You see Jerome Luai more and more now just sort of dishing it off to Matty Burton because he's just... It, it reminds me a lot of how Manly used to play with Killer. He's a genuine option on last tackle. Just go bang, give the ball to your left centre. He'll take care of it. And that's the evolution of Jerome Luai. He's, he's a yep. real mature footballer because he's super talented. And when you're a half and you're in form, you kind of want everything to come off you where he's happy to just drop people off and give the ball early and push up through the middle. And if you look at whenever someone scores a try, bro, who's the first guy in there? Yeah, Jerome Luai. He's always eight foot in the air celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> he's up there like that, bro. So that's when, you show, that's when you know a really good team guy and yeah. who really cares about the team. He's not he's not like putting on triceps and waving off to the crowd. He, he wants to be a part of that team as well. Um, in terms of Matty Burden, I reckon he reminds me of Stephen Larkham. <laughs> yeah, he's got that He's got that build about him, eh? And, that, that, and just that calm demeanor as well. Yeah, agree. Big lift, uh, big boot as well. We call him, call him the station wagon because he's got a big <laughs> boot. I was talking to Nathan about him, and he was saying like, um, 
I, I was watching Knife Kick, and then he goes, "But you should see Matty Bird now training. He's a freak." So um, there's going to be some scared fullbacks next year rolling in. He's he's got, he's got a boot as big as Pat Richards, yeah. like, and then he's got he's got the build in school. He, he's he's an exciting player. Completely off topic, but fuck, wouldn't the Wallabies do some weird shit to have a Stephen Larkham in their kit? Yeah, I had um, I, I've got a guy next door, and he's big into Union. Always has been. He used to sponsor them when they were classic back in like '99 yeah, and shit right. like that. And he goes like, and I always talk shit because All Blacks always pump him. And he goes, man, like give give us like Cam Munster, Kalen Ponga, um, Tommy Turbo. <laughs> like the whole game just changes straight away. Yeah, straight away. Like look at they, they they're all right with Marika Kurabidi. Yeah, mate. What didn't didn't he win the John Eels medal? Like fuck, he like he was a really good winger in rugby league. But to go over there and be their best, it's it's wild. Uh, we played um we played Tigers one time and he was doing his thing, and um one of his trainers I knew his trainer and he goes make sure you start fucking start using your palm start using your palm so he's come out of like hooker scooped around like that and he just done like the most freaking <laughs> palm in the world like this bro yeah, he went no. like that and guess who ran into Adam Docker <laughs> oh. Adam Docker just goes boom and then uh, his arm just goes oh like hyper extended it and I was I was right there I was going. Oh yeah, get me off the field. I um I, I had a mate who was playing twenty at tight under twenties at Tigers would have been two thousand twelve when they won the comp and he, he was playing centre and Marika Corabetti was playing first grade that they got to the finals and he texts me and he goes we've just won this comp and I went what fucking finals haven't kicked off he goes I just got Marika back on my edge <laughs> brace yourself for fifteen tries and a premiership and Marika brained it in there it was just men against boys. Is that when Mitch, Mo- Mitch Moses rocked up? He played like four or five games and ended up getting like player of the match, didn't he? Yeah, there was there was uh, the the five eight got man of the match. I can't remember his. No, that, that it wasn't actually Mitch Moses. That was the team that had um uh, Milky at seven. Oh, okay. He's. Yeah, a, was, I wouldn't. Do you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing him back. In. Fucking hundred percent. What what's taking so long on that? Isn't um, Scopes mates with him, isn't he? Like, man, there's yeah, so many decent sevens over there. That I mean, fuck, uh, they they're, they're probably enjoying themselves heaps over there. Realistically, but. Um, well, sure. yeah. <laughs> don't have fucking half of Sydney after you if you play there, one there, man there's the other bloke over there you, you might have played with him at Manly I'm, I'm not sure where the timeline lines up uh, Matty Parcell the old hooker yeah, yeah. like he's over there so I reckon he'd be great in the not, not that I've seen him play in a couple of years but I think he's definitely more suited to the game now than when he played realistically yeah, I think a hard thing with Matty sort of struggled to fit into around like football boys at the yeah, time, right, and like okay. Manly, Manly was like a boys club. So <laughs> a I, was right, cause I was one of the boys that you get on the piss for the boys and stuff. Where he wasn't that way inclined, and in, um, like in video, he'd always answer back and stuff. Like he goes, "Oh, like if I don't agree, I'm just going to answer back." And at the time, he hadn't played first grade, so I think I think he annoyed a few people, especially when you got fucking snaking out there. They're, yeah. Once they're off you, they're off you, bro. So it's like high school. Fuck, it's funny how like, like I would have never ever picked that. Obviously, from just watching him play footy, but yeah, that's unreal. Fuck, mate. Um, we, we spoke about Manly earlier. How you would take them on? For me, I think they are the most dangerous team in this competition. Now they're the last team that I think. I think they're, they're probably the hardest team to prepare for. Obviously, you said that you'd have your game plan with them, but defending against them the way that Foz and DC are just throwing the pill around and Turbo in the nicest way possible has realised how selfish he needs to be at times just to take the fucking line on and just flood the middle when he sees someone at A defender that he knows he can trample, which is, at the moment, seemingly 95% of this fucking competition. I think they are looking <laughs> terrifying at the moment. Mm, um, I think, love thing, uh, thing I love about football, uh, Manly, and it's always been the case, they're all just natural footballers. You get back through the 90s, Cliffy Lions, no matter if they're up by 10, up by 20, down by 6, down by 18, they'll throw the ball wherever they want. 
even when Brent Klein come over, and I didn't know this, this until Ivan told me because Ivan played at Manly as well. Yep. And he goes, they've, they're just always footballers. So Brent Klein was just like second tackle in round one or two. And he's like trying to do a tip on, like you usually try and build yourself into the game. He's just trying to pass and he can't even pass the ball properly. <laughs> He's doing like top spins and Snake was the same, bro. Like yeah. Snake used to oh, do Snake was so awkward how he did things, but it just worked. You know what it reminds me of? Guffo. Guffo yeah, very like, Guffo. Very yeah. Guffo, yeah. And that was his boy. That's who Guffo looked up to. Manly yeah. boy, fullback, all that sort of stuff. Same as Tommy. Um, but yeah, I love Manny. They're just natural footballers. All the Kawatu's got football in them. Schuster's got football in them as well. Fozzie's one of the better five-eights that we've had over the past 10 years. Chiz just sees the game for what it is. Not scared to play any, any time. Loves big games, loves big moments. You know what? One thing about Chiz, and he's a good friend of mine. Um, he cares. He honestly cares so much about football. Yeah. Like he, everything he does during the week is in preparation for football. How he spends a lot of like time with his family, but everything else around that is based around winning games, and he cares about winning. And if he's not winning games, I can't get a fucking. We're, I'm in a group chat with him as well, and I can't, can't get a message from him. He generally cares about football and wants to win and wants the best for everyone in and around Manly and wants Manly to be a success. And I don't think that comes across with him because he's so diplomatic when he speaks and stuff and he's, he's well-mannered and, and people get the Fs with that. But he really wants to win. And I know he wants to win this year as well. And this is probably the best chance. And mate, I imagine for him and especially for, for you boys, obviously knowing Foz and stuff, mate, the narrative to see these two boys back together, winning games of football. Like, I don't go for Manly. I don't, you know, I enjoy watching them play footy, but... If you love rugby league, you cannot love the narrative that's going. You can't hate the narrative going on at Manly at the moment. To see Foz, what he's got. I think people forget how good he was when he first burst onto the scene. I mean, for, for me, he really changed the game to some extent, how direct he played. He then got injured, and then all these other halves, they just took that off Foz, and they started to run with it. Guys like Mickey Morgan, Luke Carey, these sort of fellas. Luke Carey, has, Luke Carey was on a podcast here, and he goes, oh, Fozzie was my favorite player, and I copied the way he played. Yeah, shock me. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest, yeah tough as too yeah I, yeah, it's so good to see him finally get some rewards for what he's been through over the last few years because fuck I, I imagine for you boys it must have been hard but even fr- from a distance watching Foz it's, it's just been hard to watch the last few years because you know he's so much better than what you're seeing and he's it's just his body just needs to hold up for him He's played, played too tough for like he's played too play tough for his own to good. Yeah, yeah. When, yeah, when you're 19 years old and you're you're rolling into final series every single year and you're digging into the line and taking hits and all that sort of stuff, it catches up to you, man. I remember Steve Price said this pretty early on. Uh, I got to Warriors when Steve Price was there, and at the yeah. time he was looking up 250, 300 meters on the regular, and when we were str- we were a struggling side. And he goes, "There's two ways you can play football. You can play the Hachalakasini, Poliasina style, where you just go bash, bash, bash." Because trust me, over time it catches up with you. And he was 34, 35, 36, maybe when he retired. Um, and still a really, really effective player. Where if you look at someone like um, DCE, played exactly the same time, very different style. He's not um, as aggressive or stuff like that. Never injured, bro. Yeah. Never injured. Now, you, you, you mentioned uh, Paliasina there. How about the amount of times they used to fucking kick off to him? Yeah, you don't do I'd that. I'd just be going, what are you doing? What fuck? Your fullback kicks off, then he stands back there, and you got to deal with that thing coming out. Yeah, uh, you know what the fuck it is? Those stupid props when they've got bumped off before, and they're like, yeah, you behind the goal post, and like, kick it back to him, I'll get him. I'm like, no, nah, that's probably not it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> get him on the next one. Get him on the short run, not the long one. Oh, fuck. Uh, I, that, those old high... I, I, I think there, there was one run that he came off the kickoff against that old that South Sydney in the early 2000s. They were just going like a busted asshole. But mate, oh, he made that, like yeah, a 70 yeah. meter run. And then I, I think he threw it to Torpy or one of those fellas. But yeah, Torps, yeah. yeah. One of the great sides that Warrior side. I wish, yeah. I wish, I, wish didn't he, like, I really enjoyed that side. 
Oh five Tigers, two thousand eleven Tigers as well. Man, those sides are really, really good to watch. And you, you don't really see them anymore. No. Um, but love love to see someone just pop up out of nowhere and start start offloading from fucking willy nilly. Well, that's the thing. Like we had the Panthers in 03, we had the Tigers in 05. I mean, you almost had the Warriors in 02. I mean, that would have been three absolute fairy tales just out of no. Like that was th- th- three teams just winning premierships out of nowhere. That would have been unreal. I still uh, obviously. Oh. You, you, I got a bit of yarn for you. I was yeah. at uh, I was at a wedding. Actually, uh, Joey was there, bro. He was on the same table as me, and I was blind. I um, was at Clint Uta's wedding as well, and it's pretty well known player. I won't say his name, or or that um, wasn't a player. It's a sort of older guy. And he goes, "If I'm being totally honest, yeah, like I was just talking football and that with him. He goes, I reckon the only side that's ever won the competition underneath the salary cap was the O five Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard worse shouts. Yeah, I was like. Yeah, that's probably yeah, right. That's probably yeah, fair, I, was, I was looking at 2006 and they were stacked with the Broncos and they had <laughs> yeah. um, the thoroughbreds that used to look after them. But I kind of like hearing that dodgy shit, man. That's that's footy, isn't Makes it? Makes it interesting. Yeah, it's fucking hell. Uh, like, off-season's almost more fun than pre- <laughs> footy players are always in trouble somewhere. Yeah. Well, I think we just got to accept the drama for what it is. It's a part of our narrative, isn't it? Oh, you've just got to embrace it. You just It's a shit storm and you just got to strap yourself in. Yeah. Uh, something's going to happen. It always does. Yeah. Mate, before I let you go, grand final day, who's there? Uh, I saw um, you know my narrative Penrith sticking Melbourne. to it yeah yeah sticking to it I, I just I mean, when you when you got I think Penrith got enough points to outscore Manly and I think Melbourne have uh, got an they're too defensively strong when they want to be to stop someone like Tommy Turbo and like like I said 2009 Jared Hayne similar story no one could touch him got to the final Melbourne made him up 2012 Benny Barber no one could touch him come to the final meet Melbourne yeah. wouldn't even know that he played like respectfully 2017 did, same story as well Mick Morgan Tao Malolo same yeah, story they just, they just they just find ways, man. And, and when you when you build a system or a culture over the course of 20 years and people roll up and you just, you just learn what to do and that they just learn to shut them down. You've got one of the great minds and one of the great preparers. I think um, preparation's probably the best word that you can use to describe Melbourne. Yeah. They're planning for Tommy now, whether they play him or not or when they do play him. I hope they cross over at some path because you want to see the best teams play each other. They'll be ready. Yeah, I, I think when you watched them play a couple of weeks ago and Manly played really well against them, people said, oh, you know, they, they can be beaten. For me, I, I reckon Craig Bellamy, he has a plan how to beat Turbo and he probably didn't show his hand the other day. I think he's waiting for the big stuff. I think it was I think it was Victor Radley after the 18 grand final. He said after that, we knew how to beat Melbourne halfway through the year, but we couldn't show him we knew how to beat him. So we had to wait for this big dance, essentially. I, I reckon it's got that sort of vibes to it. Fucking chestnut checkers. With yeah, <laughs> it's, fucking, it's, all, it's all between the ears, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And like regular round footballs, you want to win all the games or as much games as you can. But man, to sort of know that sort of stuff, yeah. I know. I know Tommy's doing things that we've probably never seen before. But at the end of the day, it's a game of football, and and you can nullify things in certain situations. And I think Melbourne will be good enough to do it. I think Ivan will have a plan for him as well. But then I also think you got to stop Penrith scoring points as well. And yeah. I think that's going to be a lot harder than people think. Yeah, chestnut checkers for Manly and. Jesse Hazel's playing fucking snakes and ladders over there. God knows what's doing there. <laughs> Do you know what? Out of any of those three teams, I like I'll be so pumped if any of those teams win because obviously you've got yep. close relationships with a lot of those boys. Like I'd love to see someone like DCE lift the trophy on grand final day and Tommy pick up there and then Fozzie's got his ring again, like that nice little full circle moment, like 2011 back to 2001, and this is the 10 year story. It's almost like a 30 for 30, bro. It's like <laughs> you follow Fozzie's story around for the 10 years, and then Chez yeah. is beginning bagged for in 2015, and then you got these two brothers coming up from Mona Vale, and then like 
they, they're similar to what the Stewart brothers were. Like, shit like that, bro. Fuck. Give me the 30 for 30 any day. Oh, I think as well, mate. If We need some money. We'll fucking make it for you. <laughs> if, uh, if DCE and Foz, they win this year, I think they become uh, the halves with the longest stretch between premierships. Well, what's, what's, so, so, so like oh, they, they, they won Cooper in 2011. Cronk, yeah. No, no, but like they, they won in 2011. They didn't win another one until now, 2021, for example. Like they've gone 10 years without a premiership. I think it's the longest stretch that a halves partnership has gone between win- winning premierships, which, I mean, when you think in the modern day, if halves don't play a good month, they get shown the fucking door. It's unbelievable to think that these two have found each yeah, other again yeah. and could win. It's crazy. Yeah, I've been their guru. A couple of bad games are out back in, back in the glove grave where you belong, bro. Sweet eye. Bro, I remember one time Ivan, he goes, you're in for the next six, week, six weeks, how he's done his back. Yeah. He goes, just build into your game nicely. Like, you don't have to try and win us the game. We played the Roosters called Pumped. I was back in reserve grade. <laughs> That's what you I was, Oh, Oh, when, 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 I, when I was talking to Finchie and Kemp the other day, we said, oh, you know, every team, they're going to give their half back two or three years. You're fucking not. Don't even say it. Why, why even bother saying it, realistically? Unless you're the West Tigers and Brooksy, no one is giving their half back more than six games anymore. It's, it's fuck, it's tough being a halfback nowadays. It's grim. It's a shortage. There's a shortage of halfbacks. Like, I know, like, it's going to so be worse in three years after all this COVID stuff, man. None of these halfbacks are playing footy at the moment, the young guys. It's going to be insane. Hopefully the new way of fo- the way football is going, like I've got a hope for it as well. So I'm like I'm looking at a couple of those dragons boys, and they're not scared to play football. This is the style of football that they play. Um, but yeah, it definitely does hurt their education in terms of like you want to be playing reserve grade, you want to be playing up against men. Um, I think Gus Gould was always sort of big on that narrative, like RCG and all those sort of guys were ready for first grade already. Because now nah, let me give them a full year of like reserve grade, and and we'll, we'll, I'll happily sacrifice. First grade taking a couple of losses for the longevity. And he talked about the best way to develop a club is go through the juniors. It's slow, but once it gets going, it's like bang. And that's the effect. And everyone laughed at the Gus's five-year plan and how long it's sort of taken. And they still haven't won a comp yet, but they're fucking churning out some genuine fucking first graders. Oh, I think on top of that, mate, you're like, <laughs> it's almost going to be unfair to the young sevens coming into the game over the next few years because they're going to be compared to Sam Walker, who has played... A handful of first, a handful of football games over the last eighteen months because of COVID comes into first grade and fucking brains it the way he has. I think really he's done. Though, but he, he's 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 tapered off. He's playing like an eighteen-year-old. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I mean, like he's playing like probably the best eighteen-year-old we've seen as a half. I reckon. Like what he's done this year has been incredible. And he didn't play rugby league last year because of COVID. Oh, I think it's it's unreal how he's come into first grade and done what he's done. Yes, he's in a gun system. I get that, but. Fuck he's got like, troops around him, though, at the moment. Oh, no, exactly. Still- yeah, yeah, But But, like, yeah. I, I, I think it's an unreal narrative, and I think it's going to be tough for other sevens coming into this competition. You always get compared to the best. That's the reality. I remember <laughs> Finchie saying the other day, I was always compared to Joey. He was like, why the fuck would you possibly compare me to Joey? Like, that's just <laughs> it's just ridiculous sort of thing. He tells a good yarn when he was like playing first grade and he goes, oh, all was um, like 60, 70 kgs ringing wet and 50 kgs of it was teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we had a good little time with him here when he was underneath YKTR Sports. We had a good little six months where he just sort of come in and just do his thing. Fuck, he was funny. I, um, I, I dropped him home the other day and oh, fuck, I almost had about three car accidents driving home. Just, just, yeah. the, just the most. Oh, did you drop him all in Cronulla? Yeah, well, he, he, he's in. Oh, well, where he lives isn't that far from me. It, it's only about 15 minutes or so. Uh, but yeah, just some of the shit he comes out with, just unreal, you know? 
yeah, just a gifted storyteller. And we used to go get on the piss before it as well. And that was funnier than all the podcasts as well. Just just so animated, man. One of the greats. Yeah, loves it. Mate, uh, thanks for your time. I uh, I really do appreciate it once again. I know you've probably got a couple of other podcasts to jump on today. But I uh, appreciate your time, brother. What's I've that? I've got an accounting meeting so far. Okay. You better hit the frog, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, all right, brother. Thanks for having Cheers, me on. Bro. Later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.